Hi, I'm Curtis. And I'm Meredith. And we are moving home to California to start a church. Every week, or at least most weeks, we share some thoughts about the vision, values, and culture we hope will mark this community as we follow Jesus into the world together. This is the Launchpod for Pomona Valley Church. Yes, most weeks we do. We are a little behind with this episode, and that's because we did indeed get our housing in Claremont squared away. We took a quick trip out to California to see the place, and we're excited about the chance to use this house to build friendships with people. Curtis will be out there mid-month, and the kids and I fly in on June 26th, so give us just a bit of unpacking time and then come over. So for those who are waiting for important updates... Tottenham did, in fact, lose in the Champions League final, but it was a good match, and we're looking forward to the summer. So we'll be back in the fall with more updates, I'm sure. Probably not. Maybe. People care a lot. We do want to share just a bit about something that is coming later this summer, and that's our For Love's Sake campaign. If you receive our newsletter, we mention this there. And if you don't, sign up. But we want to start a church not because we are sure we're right about how church should be, Not because we're mad at what church is. Not because we want to build influence or a brand. We want to start a new church for love's sake. And every giving partner we have feels the same. They each have someone they love that they think might connect with what we're trying to do. Sometimes it's an adult child who's faded from church or a gay friend or coworker. Sometimes it's the person they haven't met yet. They just love this area and the people who live there. Sometimes, whoever that person is, they don't actually live near Pomona or Claremont, but our giving partner wishes a church like this was in their area. We would like to invite new giving partners to join the launch of Pomona Valley Church. Our goal is to expand how many people are supporting the church, especially those who may be able to give $10 to $100 a month. We'll share more in the days to come, but for now, one way you can help us is to follow Pomona Valley Church on Instagram because that's where updates will be, and then tag a friend there who might value what we're up to, wherever they live. So that's where we are, and we are so very excited. And with that, it's time for our recurring segment, What Curtis Read This Week. Yes, we have not yet driven this segment into the ground, I don't think, which is good because this is a good one. A week or so ago, I read an interview with a man who we have mentioned before on this podcast, actually. His name is David Bailey. He leads a nonprofit called Araborn that is dedicated to providing resources to churches and church leaders who want to pursue racial reconciliation. He is a really smart guy who had so many thoughtful and interesting things to say in this interview, and I highly recommend it. Just to pick a couple things out to highlight, though, he refers to reconciliation as a theological word, that is, one that comes from the Bible as a way to talk about what we ought to be doing in the church, but that more accurately, what needs to happen in America is not reconciliation, but just conciliation. His point is, there is not some idealized past in America wherein racial relations were good and we just need to restore our current state to that good place. Instead, we need to forge a whole new way of being together that is for the first time healthy, which is, in many ways, more difficult. And then, really quickly, he talks about how reconciliation and diversity aren't necessarily the same thing. You can be a reconciler in a church that, for any number of reasons, isn't all that diverse. And you can be a diverse church that is not actually doing any work of reconciliation. 
and I found both of those thought-provoking. We hope to be both at Pomona Valley Church, of course, diverse and reconciling. But anyway, go read this interview, which was done by a group out of Duke Divinity School. We'll have the link for that in the show notes on my blog, MeredithAnnMiller.com. And before we go on, the LaunchPod is sponsored by Bible Bounce Houses. Meredith and I are parents of little kids, aren't we, Mare? Uh, yes. And as all parents of little kids know, it can be hard to put together just the right birthday party for your kids and their friends. Clowns are scary beyond all reason. Pizza parties are so passe. Bounce house warehouses seem like a great option, but Mare, don't you think they're a little too inert? That word is not the first that comes to mind. Well, this ad copy I got from our sponsor says that they are. So we're going with it. They're inert. That's where Bible bounce houses come in. We're like Pump It Up, but instead of just your kids and their friends running around having a pointless good time, we add a little something extra. Imagine if your birthday boy could bounce right along beside Abraham while talking about being friends with God. Imagine your birthday girl could slide down a giant slide right next to Ruth while she tells her all about righteousness. What makes a ball pit better? Why, if it's filled with the 12 disciples discussing Jesus' latest parables, of course. Are desperate for any work they can get actors are guaranteed to make your kid's birthday feel like it's taking place in a giant bouncy warehouse from Bible times. Go to BibleBounceHouses.com slash LaunchPod to get $15 off your first party rental. Bible Bounce Houses, we take birthdays and make them biblical. (laughs) I'm sure everyone will rush right out there. And um, thanks, as always, to our sponsors who maybe need to start sending me their copy ahead of time. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. A number of you who listen to this podcast are familiar with the work of Father Greg Boyle, or Father G, as he is sometimes referred to. For those of you who aren't, we would recommend reading his books very much. You can search for Tattoos on the Heart at your favorite online book provider. We should get one of those affiliate programs going where we get like .0023% of each dollar Amazon sells based on our recommendations. Yeah, I think it would take a few thousand books and we would get our first dollar. Anyhow, go read Father Greg's books. He is a Jesuit priest who has worked for decades in the Boyle Heights neighborhood of Los Angeles, a largely Latinx community that has had more than its fair share of gang activity. And among other things, he started a nonprofit called Homeboy Industries that employs ex-gang members in various ways and gives them an alternative to the path a lot of them would have taken otherwise. It's a very cool operation, and this little nutshell version hardly does it justice. It's true. Also, go eat at Homegirl Cafe and get some Evangelist Potion. It's amazing. Yum. But one of the ideas that animates the work that Father Greg Boyle has done, and it's embodied by the many men and women from Boyle Heights and the surrounding neighborhoods that make Homeboy Industries work, is the idea of kinship. We've referred to it before on this podcast because it's such a compelling way of formulating an idea that we want to be true of Pomona Valley Church as well. Father Greg says kinship is the sense we have when we realize there is no us and them, only us. And yes, he is using it to respond to the specific challenges of bringing people from opposing gangs together in a workplace, but also responding to the cultural notions and prejudices that cause comfortable suburbanites to write off people from neighborhoods like Boyle Heights and see them as other, those people, not one of us, however us is defined. The human race has been organized by kinship groups basically since its inception, or really since before its inception of families and tribes which are defined by who is us and who is them 
and we take care of us and only care about them insofar as they can help us in some way. That's been the basic political organization for humans and nations throughout history. And in many ways, religions have been used in the service of more deeply entrenching and defining and boundarying the idea of us. Who are the good people? Well, they're the ones who worship these gods in these ways in this place. And that was true of religion thousands of years ago, and it's true in large part of religion now, even at times with Christianity. And what's more than a little sad about this is that a good chunk of the New Testament and some parts of the Old Testament too, really, are concerned with expanding and redefining the idea of kinship. The family of God is open to all people, regardless of the social and cultural divisions. That in the new creation, as Paul says in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, that is, racial or cultural division, slave nor free, that is, economic division, male and female, that is, gendered division, for all are one in Christ Jesus. The whole book of 1 Corinthians is about working through the practical implications of this in a church that was struggling with it, of creating a new family that is not defined by those old divisions of kinship. As theologians call it, it's a fictive kinship because it's not based on literal family ties, but redefined family ties. Jesus taught about this as well, saying, in effect, when you go about your day and you come across a person, any person, that person's your neighbor whom you are to love. Neighborness, kinship, is not defined by genetics or culture or even religion, but by the simple reality of a human being being in your physical proximity. As a church community, we want to be growing in our sense of kinship with the people we come across in our own daily lives, our families, friends, classmates, coworkers, neighborhood, staff at the places we shop or eat. We want love to characterize Pomona Valley Church in a way that feels like this ever-expanding circle. I think of the giant bubbles that my kids blow that grow and grow and grow. And kinship is a helpful concept for both the idea of neighboring well and doing justice, because beyond what you just described, which is more of that neighboring well expression, there is this other dynamic, which is when I look and ask, who's being blocked out of this circle of kinship? Where is someone on the outside looking in and it's not by accident? If a system or ideology tells someone they aren't really kin and they don't deserve to be in the circle, that's an opportunity for justice to be done. In Homeboy Industries' case, for example, legislation that blocks the right of the incarcerated or ex-felons to vote, even after completing a sentence, keeps someone out of the circle. So campaigning for legal changes that restore voting rights is a way that they do justice. And for a church, it might mean organizing together for a purpose. Our friends Julie, Titus, Allison, David, and their whole staff team create this place of belonging and healing and hope in Kenya. It's a place of kinship that takes down the injustice of someone dying alone. And a church can come together to support them and give so that that keeps going. Sometimes new churches make a point of connecting with local leaders and city officials early on, the goal being to begin these very conversations in their local context. Interestingly, and sadly, uh, we also hear of many local officials and nonprofit leaders saying that churches don't make good partners because they want to be in charge of what they do. We've had some conversations like that with nonprofit leaders. We heard a story about one church that asked these kinds of questions about what it would look like to neighbor well and do justice in their community. And a school responded by saying they needed white 
copy paper. And so the church bought reams and reams of white copy paper. And the whole reason that we heard that story and that it lived on was because the principal didn't think they'd do it. Paper was too mundane, and the principal knew that most churches wanted to neighbor in a way that makes for a good Instagram photo. And of course, there are ways to neighbor well and do justice to expand the circle of kinship that don't need a formal church program at all. We want to equip the people who call Pomona Valley Church home to listen to how God would want to use them in their own particular neighborhoods and families and jobs and relational networks. How can we each neighbor well and do justice in those spaces where God has put us and grow our circle of kinship and shalom a little more to be the reconcilers God invites us to be? This last week was Riley's last day of kindergarten. And although we moved out of our neighborhood at the end of March, we regularly go back to the park in the middle of it because that is a part of our rhythm and it's where they see friends. We were there when my neighbor Jen said, oh, what are you doing tomorrow for the last day of school? And I said, we didn't have anything yet. She said, if you pick Riley up from school, can you beat the bus to the neighborhood? And I said, sure, yeah, we can. She said, I saw pictures of my friend's neighborhood, and they do this big thing when the kids get off the bus for the last day of school. And I thought, we need to do that? Jen is queen of the neighborhood in so many ways and a totally fun person. And so the next day, we beat the bus, we got there, and as kids got off from the bus stop, Jen had sidewalk chalked the whole driveway, schooled out for summer. And she had a bullhorn playing a song as they were getting off the bus. Kids were poking their heads out the bus window to see what in the world had happened. All of the parents were clapping and cheering. And then she had bought silly string for every kid. And we had a silly string fight. And then she had bubbles and ring pops and popsicles. And we just spent an extra 20 minutes together on the corner in her driveway celebrating these kids and being a neighborhood together. And it was awesome. What Jen put on was a totally natural extension of who she is and what it meant to neighbor well in our neighborhood. And I was super grateful that she included Riley in that. But there's other ways that you could think about how you as an individual would grow in neighboring injustice. One aspect of this is to consider what you read or who you follow on social media who can help grow your thinking. There are some great teachers about justice issues available, and we can be responsible for our own education on these issues, and that's incredibly helpful. In action, sometimes it's about small daily habits where you purchase food, coffee, chocolate, even clothes. We do that, but our friend Kate's church has taken all this a little further People give to ministries and nonprofits near and far, and the church has a map on which they plot where those people who are a part of the church give. And as a church, they say, this, this map, this is our global effort. And it's each person's individual gifts led by their own interests and passions and relational networks. But it's taking seriously the idea that the church is this collective of individuals and God is leading all those individuals in their own ways and to their own issues and that they are engaging together as individuals. I also think that as you learn and listen, there's just chances to respond along the way that arise. Not long ago on Instagram, I saw a picture that was librarians who took their mobile reading kit to the laundromat in their neighborhood. And so they brought story time there. 
And I thought it was the most lovely picture of people being themselves and using their gifts to make sure that something happened that was really important because reading is such an integral part of overall education opportunity. And as a related aside, one way we know that we're doing this well is when the people who know best, the ones we want to befriend, care for, help, when they say that it's valuable. The officials and nonprofit leaders, they say that it's helpful. They are the deciders of whether our efforts to do justice or neighbor well are actually helpful. Yes, the question is how can we express kinship in a way that our neighbors will feel? We want to come in without preconceived notions of exactly what the community needs and to listen to what people say, then respond where we can. So I think we will wrap it up there with one more quote from Father Greg. In Tattoos on the Heart, he says, We imagine this circle of compassion. Then we imagine ourselves close to the margins so that the margins themselves will be erased. We stand there with those whose dignity has been denied. We locate ourselves with the poor and the powerless and the voiceless. At the edges, we join the easily despised and the readily left out. We stand with the demonized so that the demonizing will stop. We situate ourselves right next to the disposable so that the day will come when we stop throwing people away. As always, you can get in touch with us at PomonaValleyChurch at gmail.com. Show notes will be available at MeredithAnnMiller.com. That's Ann with an E. And you can follow Pomona Valley Church on Instagram for other things that we're up to. Thanks for listening. We love you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.